0: It's time to praise the Lord. Now, this song says, dance like the weight has been lifted. What does that mean? It says, you know what? You may feel the weight, but you know what? You're going to prophesy to yourself and say, you know what? Wait, you're going to be lifted because I'm going to praise. Now, the concept of praise is really important because the lion of the tribe of Judah means the lion of the tribe of praise. Because Judah means praise. See, Judah was Leah and Jacob's fourth son. And Leah, if you know the story of Leah and Jacob, Jacob didn't really love Leah. She was, he was tricked into marrying her, but she kept giving him sons, wanting him to love her. By the time the fourth one came, she said, you know what, I'm going to name him Judah. Judah. Because even though my circumstances aren't what they want, I want them to be, this time I'm going to praise the Lord. This time I'm going to pray. Maybe your circumstances aren't what you want them to be. But the Lord says, start praising me. Start praising me. You know what? The, the, the tribe of Judah became extremely significant. The tribe of praise became very significant for Israel because the way that the tribes surrounded the tabernacle was very significant. And when God said, you know, when my cloud, which is, was his cloud of glory, begins to move, the tribes begin to move. And the tribes surrounded what they called the tabernacle, which was the presence of God. It was a tent. It was a movable presence because they had not yet gotten to their promised land. So the Lord said, when my cloud moves, you move. And sometimes my cloud will move every day. Sometimes my cloud will move every month. Sometimes you're going to wait until my cloud moves in a year. But you move when I move. You don't get out in front of me. You move when I move. Come on, that's a word for some of you. You want God to move. But you know what? You move with him. But the tribe, the tribe that always went first... When the cloud moved was the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. You see, we enter into his courts with praise, not with an agenda, not with a need, not with an I want this from God. We enter into his courts with praise. And it's not based on our circumstances because circumstances change. Some of us are in storms, and some of us are in victories. Some of us have come in and feeling discouraged, and some of us feel like we're on top of the world. It doesn't matter. We're really all on the same page because we all need to praise. We all need to praise. We enter into his courts with praise. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we are his people And you know what? Let's shake off. Shake off our feelings. Let's shake off what our circumstances are. Let's shake off the distractions. We will be a people of praise. It doesn't matter what the winds of our society, the way they blow. It doesn't matter because we are a people of praise. And he dwells in the midst of our praise. So let us join heaven. You see, when we gather together, there is an awareness here. This is where heaven and earth meet. There is an awareness. The heavens are open. Shall we open up our gates? See, his gate is already open when he died on the cross. He opened, he rendered the heavens. He opened up the heavens. So let us start to praise. Come on. Shake off the stuff and let us focus on him. The cloud is moving. Come on. The cloud is moving. Judah, get out there. Judah, get out there. Let us start to praise.
1: All right. What are you going through this morning? What do you need to battle with? What is it that you're battling with? You know, The scripture says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And and we need to declare over those victories that we're about to have. See, scripture says that one of the things we should do is acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he'll make your path straight, right? So if you're going through a battle, you're going through a challenge, you're going through something that you're not aware of how to get through, you need to lift your praise to the Lord. If you believe that, that this song is based upon scripture... And it says that worship is our warfare. We don't fight with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. And we don't use the same weapons that we use here. You know, if we're in a a military conflict, we would use guns and tanks and planes. But you know what? In the spiritual realm, we use praise. Just like Pastor Lynn said, Judah went before the people in battle And what they did is they lifted up the praise to the Almighty. And they said, Lord, you are welcome in this place. Have your will and way. Have your situation. Other people are telling me that I'm about to be defeated, but I know no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I know that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So I want you right now to begin to just speak out. What is it that you need God to bless? What is it that what situation or circumstance are you dealing with that you need the Holy Spirit to come in and flood it. Right now, we're gonna praise him. We're gonna go before our situation and declare that our God is El Shaddai. Our God is the almighty God. Our God is Jehovah Nissi, the banner over us in our warfare. Our God is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace, the God who is our comfort. Our God is Jehovah Rohi, who is the shepherd that guides us and directs us. Come on, church, you need to get your praise on this morning. You need to get your praise and worship on this morning. The 24 elders and the living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the uh, throne saying, Praise our Lord, all you servants who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard the sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready fine linens bright and clean were given her to wear. You know God demands our praise. You know that God wants you to praise him. God wants you to glorify him because something happens to us, he understands that in the midst of praise, we're taken from the the temporal into the eternal. We're taking from this this earth into his presence. We're taking from our situations into his court where we realize that our God is in control of everything. Listen to the words. Will we, You will be praised. You will be praised. Who sings with them? The angels and who? If you're from down south, you'd say y'all, right? So y'all are going to be singing praise with the Lord. And it's about glorifying God in the midst of his temple glorifying God in the midst of your situations and circumstances glorifying God in everything that we do and God wants us to praise him so let's continue to praise him
0: you know what the Lord gave me a picture while I was in prayer and he said this you know I want you to take what's in the realm of the impossible and pull it down to the possible the Lord says take from the realm of the impossible and pull it into the impossible but as i was worshiping the lord says it takes you to surrender to raise your hand and say lord i surrender when you're doing that what you're doing is you're pulling from the realm of the impossible into the possible some of you, you're you're living in the, a situation of yes. impossible. And the Lord says, won't you just praise me to pull from the realm yes. of the impossible yes. into yes. the possible. I am the God that makes the impossible possible. So come on, let's praise him. Some of you have not ever raised your hands. You need to raise your hands and say, I'm desperate enough yes. to pull from the realm. I'm going to have you be seated for a minute. The presence of the Lord is here in a spirit of praise and battle for war and warfare. Yes. But this is what the Lord says over you. You were made for battle. Yes. You are not to be afraid of your battle. That's the right. enemy wants you to fear battle, but you were made for battle. Did you know you were made for battle? See, your strength The strength that the Lord has given to you is found or discovered in your struggle. You would never know the strength that is in you if it wasn't for the struggle. See, the fact is... You're proven to be more than a conqueror when you have complications and something to conquer. That's right. The Lord's glory, the Lord's testimony in you is because you become more than a conqueror when you have something to conquer. That's right. See, there's a benefit to your hardships. See, this is the lie that you can believe that hardships are all negative. But there is a benefit to the hardships that right. you endure. It is not a wasted experience. Some of us are trying to pray away our hardship when <laughs> God on. says, I am with you yes. in your hardship, making you stronger to bring about victory so that I can reveal to those around you that you are more than a conqueror right. because you should have had victory.
1: That's right. That's right, come
0: on. Why are you afraid? The Lord says to you, Why are you afraid of your battle? Come on. When I am with you in your battle. Yeah. It's interesting because Pastor David had a meeting with an important person, I won't say his name, important person in the assemblies of God, that's our denomination. And he met with Pastor David on a pretense to for something else, but he really wanted to know how did you turn this church around? He really wanted to know that because he needs to turn his church around. And I said when Pastor David came back and said, hey, this is really what he wanted to meet me about. I said, what did you tell him? Did you say that we did it? Because we didn't do it. That's right. Had the Lord not been on my side, I would have been swallowed alive. But the Lord was on my side. Come on, people. Part of your story. Part of your story is becoming more than a conqueror. That's your story. That's the story we read in the Word of God. Why do we like to read about Israel and their battles? Because it shows God's presence in making them more than a conqueror. Why do we like to see young David before Goliath? Because he becomes more than a conqueror. Because God was on his side. And the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things, not in some of these things, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. He has given us victory. So don't pray away your struggle, people, because it's Jesus closely partnering with you. That's right. He is wanting to teach you about him. It's the closeness that comes in the midst of the struggle. Many of us, I'll tell you, many of us would not be serving Jesus right now, today. We wouldn't even be in this building had we not had a struggle or a hardship that we didn't know what to do. We would be living in our own Selfishness yes. in our own flesh, in our own pleasures, lavishing in our own pride. But we came to a place and said, "I can't do it anymore." That's right. I can't do it anymore. And the Lord says, "Come with me in your hardship. I'm going to show you how to be more than a conqueror with me." Yes. Do you see, true. it's in the struggle. It's in the struggle. See, the crushing isn't a bad thing. Our world tells us, oh, every little hardship. Teach your kids to crumble at every little hardship. Every little bullying thought. Now, bullying's no good. and You shouldn't have your children. You should be on them. They should be like Jesus. But I'm telling you, we te- our God teaches us to be strong. That's right. He teaches us that others don't dictate to us. That's right. We dictate to the circumstance. That's right. See, our world, especially the U.S., Is teaching us to crumble at at man's word, that we're to run in fear at man's word, and the Lord is saying, no, you are more than a conqueror, I am teaching you that man cannot crush you, man cannot destroy you, because I am with you, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah, Yes. And in your struggle, I'm just going to tell you, in your struggle, and sometimes you may say, I just feel like the Lord's crushing me. Well, you know what? He's just crushing the, the flesh and the That's carnality. Right. He's not getting rid of the good stuff. Don't worry. He's not crushing you. He's just getting rid of the junk, the junk. Yes. to make you stronger, to make you more like him. Don't fear your battle.
1: That's right.
0: Some of you are fearing the battle that you're in and you're trying to pray it away. And the Lord says, get up, fight. You have it in you. I'm making you more than a conqueror. There is strength I am building in your spiritual bones. I am building strength in you. I am building endurance in you. Listen, he has He has examples. What about Joseph? Remember the script, Joseph's story. Joseph had many struggles, but God used them all to bring about his purposes and a testimony and salvation for the people of Israel to be protected in a time of drought. And it is said of Joseph, when his father finally gets reunited with Joseph and he blesses all of his children before he dies, he says, Joseph... You are a fruitful vine yes. that was planted by waters that climbed the wall. Yes. Listen, he was an overcomer. That's right. Because he was planted by the waters. Yes. Which was the Lord. Listen, it's the same today for us. We just be planted by the waters. We are the fruitful vine. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. But some of you got to change your thinking. You got to change the way you have a defeat thinking. You have a fear thinking. I fear my battle. I fear that, you know, I don't like this whole running from the enemy. You don't need to run from the enemy. You need to turn around and rebuke him because you have power in you. He wants you to be a scaredy cat, but you have the lion of the tribe of Judah in you. You are not a scaredy cat. That's right. The enemy wants the church to run. But we are to advance. Yes. We are not on the defensive. We are on the offensive. Yes. Go get your territory. Take the land. Defeat the giant.
1: Yes, that's Greater right.
0: is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. It's time to surrender. See, the fact is this. We fear our battles because we're trying to do it in ourselves. Oh, we fear go. our battles because we haven't surrendered, because we don't want to maybe obey the way God wants us to have victory. It's time to surrender. I surrender all. You know what? How many times do I say I surrender, Pastor David, in oh, a week? Ten a day. I, I sing that old hymn, I surrender all. When I come to say, I surrender. You know Why? Because we surrender over and again, because somehow, in our flesh, throughout the week, we take it back on. Mm-hmm. We take back on the, the problem, the struggle, rather than saying, "Lord, I surrender it to you. I obey you. I will walk in your way. I will do what you say." Yes that's It's right. time for us to surrender. It, that's why praise is important, because I say I surrender." See, the fact is this, when we raise our hands, I surrender. I'm not proud. I'm humble before you, Lord. Yes. I surrender.
1: Yes. I
0: give it to you. Whatever you want, Lord. I'm not going to be afraid of the battle because I know this. You are on my side. But you partner with me. You partner with me in my battle. You give me the strength. Yes. You give me the yes. wisdom. That's you right. give me the insight. You That's give me the discernment. Right. You tell me what to do in my battle. I am to listen to you. I am to inquire of you. I am not to walk in pride. I am to walk in humility before you. Come on, people. Yes, yes. Come on. You're a people of victory. That's right. You are not a people of defeat. You're a people of victory. He made you for battle. He made you for battle. He put that strength in you. His DNA, the victorious one, the champion lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. Your praise will ever be on my lips lord it doesn't matter what the circumstances is it doesn't matter where i'm at in the process of victory your praise will ever be be on my lips. lips ever be on my lips your praise come on let's stand let's sing that song it's time it's time for declare 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 reach reach into the impossibility and pull it down into your reality saying i declare you're victorious lord before i see it i am not weak i am strong you are on my side you are with The Lord is at work right now. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. He's working. Now listen, you need to be partnering with him in that work. Some of us pull against what the Holy Spirit is doing. We actually can even interfere with it. Because the fact is this, the Holy Spirit never trespasses against human will. Never. Never does. Doesn't trespass against human will. He'll stop. He'll stop at your will. You have to partner. That's why Jesus even said, not my will, but your will be done. Because it it, it had to include his human will to go to the cross. And you have to surrender your will. You have to surrender your will. Some of us get so fixated on what God should do. We get blind to what he's doing. Did you hear me? We get so fixated on what we think God should do that we are blind to what he is doing. He's at work. He is at work. The human will is probably the strongest opposition to the Lord, your human will. It's time to surrender. Come on, more, more surrender. You said, I thought I did that last week. You said, well, guess what? There's more. (laughs) I thought I did it too. I thought I did it at the thirst conference. Guess what? There's more. There's more. Surrender. There's more. See, we surrender more. There's more. Lord, Come on, people. Listen, you're at the wrong church if you're here for a religious uh, check the box. This isn't a religious check the box. We go way too long. Go to a church that's out in 45 minutes. They check the box. I'm being honest with you. This is an encounter with the Lord. This is transformation. This is, I am going to be renewed. I am going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I am going to encounter the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk out of here changed and growing. When we grow, we change. Lord. Come on, let's do surrender, greater surrender to that battle. We say we surrender. Why did Judah go forth the battle? Because they're the people of praise. And people of praise have their arms raised. And they say, we surrender. We surrender. In the battle, we walk into the battle, right into the heat of the battle, surrendered. See, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what the world does. We walk in surrender not to the enemy. Surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We walk in our battle surrendered. I'll obey you, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'm not going to let myself dictate to myself. I'm going to let you tell me what to do. And even when I don't understand What you're telling me, like, it wouldn't be what I chose, and I don't know how it's going to work out. I still obey you. I still obey you. Because, Lord, if anybody has all the facts, you do. We don't have all the facts about our battle. We don't have all the facts about how to have victory, but you do. You're really good at it. Actually, you have never lost a battle. You have never lost a battle. You are champion. You are victorious. And Lord, you want us, your design for us is to walk in victory. He leads us as captives into victory. Lord, we declare this. Come on, people. Come on. Come on. Get rid of that pride. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Surrender. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Lord, we declare. We declare unto you, Lord, our surrender. Pour over this house. River of God, pour over this house. We want to be like Joseph. We want to be like Joseph that's right by the waters of God. So we climb the wall and have victory. We declare it, Lord Jesus. So, the Lord is sharing with me that some of you in this room have acclimated to a lack of victory because you don't want to be in battle. You fear the battle, so you stay outside of the battle. And so, as a result, you have acclimated to no victory in certain situations, certain dynamics, and you sit outside of the battle. Because the enemy wants you outside of that battle. You know that. And, and the Lord is saying that, that that battle has to do with people and their salvation even. People's salvation has to do with your stepping into that battle. So the enemy says, fine, you, you live your life as a Christian. You'll make it to heaven. But stay out of the battle because then those who are in that battle that you're warring for won't ever know Jesus. So he's saying it's fine i'll take the two and I'll, I'll miss the one it's that negotiation but the lord is saying step into battle you need to step into battle quit quit denying or refusing inconvenience see you don't want to be inconvenienced because battles are not easy they're hard Step into the inconvenience of the battle. Come on, people, it's time to advance. The t- clock is ticking. You realize the clock is ticking, time is running out, and we are his people. We are to advance it for his kingdom. And don't look and point at Pastor David and Lynn, you to do it. No, you all, all to do it. We're all to do it. We are a group. Oriented the Lord did not Judah was not one person, Judah was a tribe. Judah was a group of people, and they brought others, they brought others, the other tribes into victory because of their obedience. And your obedience will bring others into victory. Whoa, that's a that's a good one. Your obedience, listen, your obedience, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, whoever, your obedience will bring others into victory. That is a word. That is a word. If you don't think your obedience matters, your obedience is vital. Your obedience is vital. Your obedience is vital. Let's lift our hands. For those of you that say, you know what, this word is hitting me. This word is hit me. I want you to raise your hands high. You know what? No shame involved. Just raise your hand high, and those around you. I want you to lay hands on that person right now. We are in this together. We are not individualistic. We are in this together. Raise your hand high. <laughs> if everybody's hands raised, guess what? We're all in this together. <laughs> we all. It's hit me too. So I can't go lift, lay hands on you either. All right, Lord. <laughs> You made us for battle. You did not make us to fear it. You made us to have victory in battle. You have put your Holy Spirit, the victorious one who raised Christ from the dead. You placed that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. The one who has conquered death, hell, sin, the grave. It's placed in us. We are victorious, but we are not to fear battle. We are not to run away from battle. We are not to stay outside of the battle because we don't want to be inconvenienced. Let us jump in and say, oh, Lord, if God is for me, who can be against me? And listen, sometimes it may feel that you're, when you're in the wrestling of the battle that you're on the bottom. And it feels like the enemy's on the top. But don't give up because the enemy is going to lose. Don't give up. Because the truth of the psalmist who said, had the Lord not been on my side, I would have been swallowed alive. But the Lord is on my side. You will not be swallowed alive in your battle. You will have victory. Victory is yours because of Christ Jesus. We declare that. We decree that in our praise, in our recognition, the impossibility will be made possible because of Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, and because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And we thank you in your name. Amen. God bless you. You know what? Love on one another. Greet one another.
1: Or for you, Rebecca, Nick, who just flew in from Paris, merci. Right? Aren't you glad for our worship team? They got. What time did you guys get in this morning? Three a.m. Two a.m. or
0: something.
1: Something. They, they're still on Paris time, so if they're a little dopey, that's okay. It's that jet travel. You guys did a great job this morning. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you guys. This morning, I want to talk to you, Uh, we're going through the names of God. If you look around the room, we have some banners. We're also going to, when we get the resources, we're going to get some more of the names of Jesus on the back wall. Uh, This morning, I want to talk about this name over here, Jehovah Makedesh. It's over on the far, uh, well, I guess it'd be on your left side, the last banner. And it's an interesting name because the names of God, when you understand the names of God, you understand the character of God and, and how he brought those names into existence. And uh, one of the things that we want to look at is uh, the, the name Makedesh is, is from the, the Hebrew word kadash Which means to make holy And have you ever had anyone say to you Oh, you're so much holier than me that You have that much holier than now attitude Do you ever have someone say that to you? You know, uh, you never, well, maybe you should uh, Anyway, it's a, a whole other sermon, okay? Uh, but what we, we want to do is We want to address the issue of what makes us holy You know? Uh, does attire make you holy? You go to different parts of the world and religious people will wear different attire. And like when we were in India, there was a, uh, a certain color robe that was very uh, revered. And there was another, another religious group there that they had uh, robes and you could tell if they were from the village or from the city. You could tell a lot about people by their attire. But you see, it's not the outward attire that makes us holy. It's, it's an inward work of the Holy Spirit. It's an inward work of what God wants to do. And as a, as a Christ follower, we need to understand that not one of us is holy. Look at the person next to you. Look at them. As holy as you may think they are, they're not holy in themselves. All right? Why do I say that? Because the Word of God declares that. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 64, verse 6, declared this. Listen to what he said. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All in all and all our righteousness act righteous acts are like filthy rags Think about that We may think we're so holy, but when god looks at us in comparison, you know, have you ever uh, Compared two things and you, you know, you if you're buying something online and sometimes some of the 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 sites You can click on the box below them and they'll pull up two or three things you can do a comparison Well, when you and I try to compare with other people, we may be more holy than them, right? You know, maybe not. Maybe this is a good sermon for us today, right? But when you compare yourself to the absolute one who is perfect, God Almighty, all of us fall short, right? Romans in the New Testament, this is just not an Old Testament concept. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Rome in chapter uh, 3, verse 10, said that uh, there is no one righteous, not even one. You see, as people, we are not righteous, but there is something, a theological term, if you ever hear this term in theology, uh, it's imputed to us. Imputation is something given to someone else by someone with greater authority. So what God has done, God, because of the work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, he gives us the ability to become holy, not on our own merits, but we look at it, he looks at us through the filter and through the lens of what Christ did on the cross for us. And that's what makes us holy. If you look in, the, in the, uh, the, the Old Testament, where the names of God are revealed, if you look in Exodus chapter 31, verse 13, it's interesting, because in Exodus 31:13, it says this, "You must obey my Sabbaths. What is a Sabbath? the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a day of rest. It's a time where we dedicate to the Lord a day for Him. And he says, This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord, the, the, Jehovah Sabbath, <laughs> Jehovah K- Makedesh, the Lord who makes you holy. And another thing is, his name is the one who makes us holy. He just doesn't mention it here in Exodus, but if you go to the book of Leviticus, which is the reinterpretations of the law, he says this. He says, keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Okay, another passage he says is in Ezekiel the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 37 verse 28 says, and the, na- the nations will know that I am the Lord that makes Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. You see, God makes us holy. We can, we can do things that can press into a relationship with him, and we could do things on the outward that we may appear to be holy, but the truth of the matter is, God is the one that makes us holy. God is the one that sanctifies us and cleanses us and purifies us and sets us on the rock. He, he removes us from that. And his name is Jehovah Makedesh. And it comes from, like I said, the Hebrew word kadesh, which means to be set apart and to be consecrated to someone. Do you know that God has consecrated your life for him? Do you know that that's why the New Testament says that the life that you now live, you live through faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for you? Why? Because you should have been crucified with Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should have crucified yourself so that you can live for God. And part of living for God is knowing that God has a purpose. He sets you apart to do something great for him. Do you you believe that? That God's plan and purpose for you is not just to get you saved and get you to heaven. If that was the case, when we do water baptism, we'd hold you under until there were no more bubbles. <laughs> and then we'd take you over to Johnson's and we'd do a quick funeral and next, and, and we would not have very many baptismal services because all of you would say, ah, uh, you know. God's purpose is to set you apart for, so that you're different than people around you, so that they want to know what makes you different. It's not your clothes, it's not your hair, it's not your cologne, it's not your, your, your activities you do. What makes you separate and set apart is, the, uh, is the, uh, the blessing of God upon your life, where God came and says, you know what, I have chosen you to do something that no one else could do. And one of the things as believers that I want to instruct you and train you in is train you in the act of becoming a righteous person. We are to become righteous men and righteous women that do things for the kingdom of God so that God can be glorified and people will be drawn to him. It's not about us. I hate to tell you, if you think it's about you, you need to go to the cross and be crucified again. You need to come up here at the altar and lay down all the things that make it about you and make it about him. You know, there's a big thing right now of leaving a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. I want people to remember how great I was. Do this. (laughs) Okay, you're done. It's about God. It's about what he... I don't. May we diminish and may he increase. May we be small in the sight of man, but may God be great in the sight of man. And when we have that perspective, one of the things that happens is we realize that there is a reason why God makes us righteous and sanctifies us. It's for his glory. So when we look at this meaning in scripture, here's an interesting thing. One of the first things we see about this word kadash, which is God it's used by God throughout his word, but one of the first things we see is that it's used to be set apart, to be consecrated, and to be made holy. Look at first Samuel twenty-one, verse six. So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread uh, there except for the bread of the presence, the presence of the Lord, that had been removed from before the Lord and, and replaced by hot bread on the day, and it was taken away. How many of you like bread? I feel like to walk into the market when the fresh bread is baking. I tell you, those of you that are gonna go to Israel with us in June, we're gonna take you down through the market where they're making the fresh sesame bread in the morning, and it is just to die for. You just they pull it out of the oven, they hand it to you, and you're like doing this because it's so hot still. You know, there's something about bread. Man may not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, but you can live by bread. You know? And when Atkin died, when you remember the Atkin diet? I went to Panera and got a whole loaf of bread and ate it because I was like, thank you. Finally, I could eat bread again. Atkins not going to try to get on my back. But you know, bread in itself is not something that makes us holy, but it's the presence of the Lord that makes us holy. Another thing, if you look at Aaron and his sons, his sons were purified by blood. Look at the next passage here as we look at it. It says in Exodus 29 verse 21, and take some blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments, and then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. What that was, that was a prophetic statement about the coming of the Messiah because blood is is what cleanses us. Remember the old hymn, Grace, you know this one? What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. See, you know it. You see, it's interesting because Pastor Lynn was talking about some of us trying to avoid difficult situations. You know, how how do oil, how is oil produced? Through the crushing of the grape. If you ever go to a, a tour of a, a place that makes oil, olive oil, they will usually have something that will crush and flatten the olives. You know, in your crushing times, God is just perfecting the anointing of the Spirit in you. He's, he's crucifying the flesh so that the Spirit can live. He's crucifying the flesh so that the things of God will rise to the surface and He will be able to use us for His purpose. And I'll tell you something, it is not enjoyable to be crushed. But the byproduct is wonderful. And what God wants to do is he wants the anointing and the blood of Christ to cover us and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to move us forward in relationship with him. Another passage we see is in in the book of uh, Isaiah, chapter 65. But this is for people who are outside of the covenant relationship with Christ. And it's interesting because... uh, God talks about how certain people are set apart for good things and how others are set apart for things that are not very good. And look what it says in Isaiah 65:5. He says, "Keep away. don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils. Have you ever had smoke in your nostrils? What does it make you do? <laughs> Burns your, your nose hair. Here you go. Exactly, you know? Especially if it's hot smoke, right? You know, we, 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 it basically becomes a stench. And God is saying there are certain people who have not allowed his presence to sanctify them. And they are basically a distraction to him. They're not people who are set apart for good. And let me tell you something. You and I need to be people that when we walk into a room, people notice us. Why? Not because of your cologne. You know, I used to be a campus pastor at Penn State University. And the senior pastor there, his name was Gary Beasley, and Gary always used polo cologne. And he didn't just dab it on. He, it wasn't like dippity-doo, you know. He would pour it in his hands and slap it <laughs> on his face, and he would hold his microphone. And I mean, the whole front of the sanctuary smelled like polo cologne. And one day, there was a family in the church that they had, the uh, pastor had helped the uh, family to adopt this little girl. She was uh, from overseas, and they helped her adopt her. And they were walking through Macy's one day, and she stopped, she goes, and mom goes, what's the matter? She goes, mommy, I smell Jesus. (laughs) Well, she smelled polo cologne, and she associated polo cologne with the pastor who was connected with Jesus, you know? And so, you see, it's not our cologne that makes us attractive. It's the presence of God in us. And what God wants us to do is to go into an environment and people say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different about you. When you go to work, people look at you and they say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about you I just can't figure out. Oh, what an open door. That's when they do that, you do this. You stick your foot right there. And you, you get your foot in that door and you start a conversation with them. You start talking to them. Well, you know what makes me different? Is once I, I used to be just like you. But this is what happened to me. And you just give them a little bit. Give them that bread from the altar. Wet their appetite. Don't force it down. You know, how many of you like to be force fed? Anyone? Anyone like spiritual waterboarding? No. We like to just drink it till we can. Let them think. And when they get thirsty again, they'll come back to you. But here's the key you have to be consistent in what you do. One of the things that Pastor Lynn and I talk about all the time, we talked about it just this last week. It doesn't matter how inconsistent you all may be, we're going to be consistent. We're going to keep pressing you to be men and women who are full of the Spirit, men and women who are full of the Word of God, and men and women who are full of the destiny of what God wants to do in your life. We're called to be oaks of righteousness. We're called to be people that you may not like what we preach, but we're going to preach the Word because we're going to pull out from you what God has planted in you. We want you to become more than conquerors. We want you to become spiritual warriors for the kingdom of God. We don't want you to be wishy-washy. We're not making snowflake Christians. Folks, we're making battles, battle trained, equipped men and women who are not afraid of the gospel and the power that it represents. And if that's not what you want, sorry, you've been in boot camp. You may want to find something else if that's not your interest. But our goal as your pastors is to train you in righteousness, to train you in uh, Kadash, the, the righteousness that comes from God. And what that takes, it takes us to crucify ourselves so that He can live through us. Do I hear an amen on that? So what happens is when you're looking through scripture, one of the things you'll see is Jehovah Makedesh is the Lord who makes you holy. And this is something that's really important. You need to realize that God makes you holy and sets you apart for the world so that people will be drawn to him. Now, you may have an outgoing personality. How many of you are outgoing? How many, Yeah, someone's raising the person's hand next to them. Okay. How many of you are introverted? Half of you didn't even raise your hands. You're so introverted. Okay? It's not about your personality. It's about the one who dwells in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory, is what Scripture says. And what we want to do is we want to be people who are set apart. Part of kadash, the meaning of the word kadash in the Hebrew, is that we have been set apart for a purpose. I remember growing up, my mother had the the blue pattern china. You remember that? it was Asian design, it was really big in the 60s and 70s, and she had that, and we would only use that when we had special guests coming over, which we never did, and I remember once I I was making something, and I pulled out one of her little dishes, and I had it there, and I was making, I think, peanut butter and jelly, and my mom got all offended that I would use that which was set apart for a sacred event to use with peanut butter and jelly, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Let's just use what we have. Let me tell you something. God wants you to be set apart to be used in everyday life. Doesn't matter if you're the peanut butter and jelly in your crew. God wants to set you apart because he has an anointing upon your life to do great things for him. Another thing that is Jehovah uh, Makadesh does is interesting because if you read the, uh, the, uh, the King James version, it says, "He sanctifies you." If you read the new international version, it says "He makes you holy." If you read some of the, the, the more modern translations, uh, he, like the voice translation, he says, "He's the eternal one who sets you apart." Do you know that you have been set apart? By God? That's, that's, that's what you've done. When you've come to faith to him, come to faith in him. He sets you apart for a noble purpose. Now, your life in the past may have been for a not very good purpose. How many in your past you did things that you're ashamed of? But that's not what you are anymore, right? Why? Because you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been set aside. You have been kadashed, You've been made holy by what God has done. And one of the things he wants to do is he says he wants to use you so that you can communicate to your congregation. How many of you have a congregation? how many of you have a congregation how many of you are in relationship with other people how many of you are monks that sit on top of a hill all week and only come out on sunday mornings to church okay all of you have a congregation it may be your workplace it may be your neighborhood it may be your family you have been called and set apart as priests of the lord most high You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ, is what the New Testament says. And part of being an ambassador for the Lord is you are an emissary of His good grace to people that don't understand it. So when you go to work, you're just not, well, take my Christian hat and I'm going to take it off and throw it over in the the corner. You know, I'm not going to wear it. And I'm going to act like everyone else. They're not even going to know I'm a follower of Jesus because I'm just, I'm in the smoke with them. And God says, no, I want to set you apart. I want you to be different. And here's the thing I found, because I haven't always worked as a pastor. I've worked in a lot of different jobs. And the one thing I found is the people that make fun of you the most are the ones that will come to you when they're going through a crisis and want to talk to you because you know the man upstairs. (laughs) Hey, could you say a word for me to the man upstairs? I'm like, who are you talking about? I I put him right back on the spot. I don't let him, you know. I just who are you talking about? You know, uh, uh, that guy, you know. Oh, the guy you don't believe in? The guy that uses his name all the time, but you don't really use it in the proper sense? That guy? What you do is you communicate the grace of Christ to them. And you get opportunities. Because one of the things that is, is interesting is. In today's culture, everyone wants to be famous. I mean, we have Instagram, we have, we have influencers. What is an influencer? A person that doesn't do anything gets paid to have you buy products that they're endorsing, right? Uh, I don't know if you saw in the news that we just drove through the Central Valley and all the almond trees were blooming. And they had on the news last night that if you get caught in an, an almond orchard damaging the trees, you will be prosecuted for trim- criminal trespassing because in the past few years, all of these Instagrammers have been going in and climbing in the trees and destroying the crops so that they can get a good picture of themselves, so that they can tell people of how caring they are of the environment even though they destroyed a tree doing so. We have people that live stream on Facebook. You know, they're with you, and the whole time they're like, <laughs> Here I am, I'm at Crossroads, not listening to the sermon. I'm videotaping it, and you, I'm live at Crossroads. You should be here too. I'm not getting anything out of the sermon, but you're gonna see my face because I'm so important. That's not where we're called to be. We're called to be important in His eyes, not in the world's. And one of the things that I found is that in a culture that promotes self promotion, one of the things that is so interesting is we're called as believers. To promote the lord god has set you apart god has called you out of a life of of enslavement to sin and has set you apart so you can be a light in darkness to other people just like god used other people in your life to set the the the, the cog into motion that you would understand who he is he's putting you in the lives of other people that don't know him so they can come to faith But you see, holiness has gotten a bad word uh, become a bad word these days because we live in a culture that promotes um, yeah, unholiness, you know we have t v shows that as if you could be as bad as possible, you'll get an audience. We promote like all these shows like Desperate Housewives and all of these you know, I only want to mention some because they're so. Demented, and I'm not. I'm not watching them. I'm telling you. But we promote things that are so ungodly, and then we're like, "Wow, oh, do you see that?" You know, we could sit and watch an hour show, and then I ask you to read the Bible for 15 minutes. I'm like, "Oh my Lord, that's so much." 15 minutes of my day, really. I just got done watching the Super Bowl, and it was three hours long, and our team lost, and, I, and I'm in debt because I bet on it, and I've got all these things, and, but you want me to read the Word of God for 15 minutes a day? Hello, Pastor David. Hello, anyone home? You know, I can go shopping for five or six hours and have a blast, but God, get into God's Word? I don't even have that app on my phone. You know, something happens to you when you're in the presence of the Word of God. And it's a transformation. It's a renewing of your mind, you know. And holiness is, in our culture, is, you know, we're called, according according to the New Testament, according to the book of Hebrews, who is written to the, the converts from Judaism to Christianity, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 14, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Okay, You may not live at peace with everyone, but your responsibility, because you've been set apart by God to be a representative for him, we're to make every effort to live at peace. Now, there's certain people, that no matter what you do, you're just gonna not, they're just not going to let you have peace. But on your side, you've got to make every effort to it, right? And then the second thing he says, and be holy. Well, how do we become holy? We surrender ourselves to the lordship of Christ. We surrender ourselves. Just not He's not just our Savior, but He's our Lord. And lordship in our culture is something we don't really fully grasp and understand. Because don't lord it over me. What does that mean? Usually someone's forcing something on you, right? But lordship is, God, not my will, but yours be done. I have been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live. But the life that I live, I do now live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20, right? So what we're to do is we're to to do this, and he says this is why. Because without holiness, no one sees the Lord. You know? And we need to be people that live a life that is set apart for God because what, what we do is we become honorable to God. We become someone that God says, hey, look at Grace. Grace is such an honorable person. She's living a life for me. She's living a life for this, and you become an example to people next to her, like Marsha, who's a real wretched person. You know. You know. Nobody likes to sit in the front. No one likes to sit in the front. This whole side is—we're gonna have people in the wings. As both sections are gonna be empty, and you're gonna be fighting for the wings. Only kid, Marcia is a saint. She wouldn't be our principal if she wasn't. She's just being abused for illustrations purposes. I'm an equal opportunity teaser. All right? But you've been set apart for a divine purpose, and that divine purpose is to lead other people into the life of holiness that you hopefully are living. And that only comes by us walking in community. That's why one of my favorite passages is, is, is found in the book of Romans, chapter, one and, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and, and verse 2. But verse 2 specifically is something that we have to fight against. Being conformed to the pattern of this world. You see, our world is trying to conform you and I into becoming clones of itself. And let me tell you, our world is jacked up. If you, if you haven't figured that out right now, something's wrong with you. But our world is promoting things that are unholy as holy and things that are holy as unholy. And the world wants to go after and attack anything, any person, any place or any institution that represents holiness, they want to tear that down and replace it with their demented views. That's why scripture says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Actually, the he, the Greek word is metamorphe. Have a metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is a changing, a substantive change in the existence of what's there. Our minds have to be transformed by the renewing of the word. And then you'll be able to do what? To test and approve and see what God's perfect will is for you. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, if, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, you know, you're a minister, you're, you're, a, you're a religious person. I always correct them, I'm not religious. I'm, I'm a, a faith follower. I'm a Christ follower of Jesus. What is God's will for my life? Man, I'd take us all to Hawaii for vacation, you know, because people are desperately trying to find out the will of God without getting into the word of God. You can't find the will of God for your life without being in the word of God. And when you're in the word of God, then all things come together and you start understanding why why did God allow this hardship to come in my life? Well, I'll tell you why, because he wants to transform you. He wants you to get your mind off your situation and get your mind on him and see how he works all things together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Even the bad things that happen in your life. How does he bring all of those to, to, to being? I don't know, I'm not God, but I know this. He works all things together. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of those things, God works together. And when we're in the word, there's a transformation process of our mind. And that transformation process of our mind allows us to walk in the authority that God has called us to be. And that's followers of him. And that's why one of the things we do is when we're transformed, we realize that the very things that our culture are telling us we should go after are are the very things that God's word says don't even be bothered by. I mean, think about it. God's Word has endured the test of time. Yes, it stands. Yep. And I, I could go online and I could listen to a blogger who, <laughs> and he writes and then he has, you know, a change of thought and he ch- writes something different. The news tells you, well, you should do this. Two weeks later, they tell you you should do this. Yep, yep. You know, someone writes a book and just because they wrote a book doesn't mean they're an expert on it. Yeah. And then that book starts declining in sales, so they write another book that... Contradicts what they said in the first book because they got it wrong in the first book. And what do we do? We just go this like money, 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 money at it, yeah. trying to figure out what the will of God is when it's written right in the word for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the transformation that happens is when you start understanding that holiness is not, it's not a list of do's and don'ts, folks. Holiness is about getting in an intimate relationship with a God of the universe that has a plan and purpose for your life that he wants to reveal to you so you can walk in freedom and you don't have to walk in condemnation, so you can walk in a guilt-free life so that whatever you do, you know, hey, the Lord's with me. Right. Holiness isn't like, well, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. I remember in the 1980s. Any of you remember the 80s? Okay, holiness is I don't drink, chew, or go out with girls who do. That was the list, okay? I don't go to movies because, after all, they're the cinema, you know? (laughs) It's like outward things, really? I could watch HBO and Home and all these showtimes and all these things. I'm not going to the movie theater. I had a friend of mine whose mother would not let him go to the movies because they were so wicked, but she would watch the most deplorable stuff on TV in her home and defile her home, but wouldn't let her kids go to a movie to see a, a G-rated movie. That's not holiness, folks. Yeah. That's a religious spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And holiness transforms us from the top to the bottom yeah. to every part of us yeah. so that when you're in a situation, the Spirit of God, here's something, truth. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, He will check you if you're yeah. in a situation that you yeah. shouldn't be yeah. in. Yeah. And yeah. what happens? I just You know, and I love this about kids, yeah. you know. I just don't feel safer on that person. Well, no, no, you've got to let them hug. I just don't feel, you listen to the kids because kids are, kids have a purity in them that hasn't been tainted by cynicism of life. And kids are often are very sensitive to things that you never force them to do things because they, they have a sensitivity. But yet as adults, so many times we're trying to force things upon people. And what God wants to do is God wants us to have a sensitivity to him that is like a childlike faith. Lord, your word says it, I believe it. Your word says that we should we should not be conformed by the world, then I'm not going to be conformed. I'm going to find out what your good, pleasing, perfect will is. You know? Look what he says in Peter. It's interesting in First Peter chapter one, verse 14, 15, and 16, uh, the, 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 the writer says this As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were uh, that were yours in your ignorance. Yeah. Okay? So if, if you lived a lifestyle outside of your life of faith and you didn't know that things were wrong, that was ignorance, right? So God says, okay, but now that you know what you should do, don't live that way. And he says, and he goes on, he says, but like the Holy One who called you, who? The Holy One, that would be the equivalent of the New Testament name of Jehovah Makedesh, the God who is holy that sanctifies us, just like he called you, be holy yourself. Let me tell you, when you're living a holy life, you don't have shame, You don't have guilt. You don't have condemnation. You don't have, oh man, I wish I wouldn't do that. When you're living a holy life, you say, you know what, Lord? You have a full open inspection of my life. There's no closets. There's nothing I'm hiding in. There's nothing that's back in the back room that no one knows about except me. And I'm smart enough to hide it from the God who created the universe. And God won't be able to see that because I'm so smart and I've I've buried it so deep in in the bass that no one knows it, not even you, God. He's like, dude, I created you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know know things about you you don't even know about yourself. That's why you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the word. Because the Lord will reveal things about who you are and what he wants to do in your life when you're in the word. Mm, This is good. Quiet, but good. Hopefully the Lord is speaking to you. Hopefully the Lord's challenging you in your faith. So what what is the challenge that we face with holiness? The biggest challenge I think we as believers face in holiness is that we deal with this thing called flesh. You know? And if you you look in scriptures, and sorry for the PowerPoint, I'm jumping way ahead here, but in in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 38, there's a passage of Scripture that's very interesting. And it says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, how many of you realize that sometimes you battle with things in yourself that you don't understand why you battle with them? You know? That's why the, in, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, You know, hey, the very things I know I should do I don't do, but I don't know why I do what I do, and I shouldn't do what I do, don't do. And he goes back and forth. And you think it's confusing in the English? You should read it in the Greek. He uses, a, it's a play on words in the original language. And what he's basically saying to us is there is a weakness in our flesh. That's why we have to crucify it. When you crucify the flesh, it's never fun to crucify your flesh. It's painful. It's painful. But what happens is once you crucify your flesh, then you're able to move into the things of the Spirit. You see, there's a struggle between all of us. And I don't care how long you've known the Lord, you will have struggles in your faith. And every single day you and I get up, it's a choice that we make. Every single decision that you and I make is a testimony of our faithfulness to the Lord. And so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, if, if, if we're going to become holy people, what do we do? We have to die to self. Not a popular message, but it's a message that helps you to become an overcomer. It's a message that helps you to be a, a person who lives in a right relationship with God. And I tell you, there's a lot of people in our world that want people to pat them on their back, but they don't want to stand in the presence of God because yeah. they, they know there's junk in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And God's saying, hey, I, had, I sent my son to die on the cross for you so that you can live a holy life, yep. and all you have to do is confess your sins Look at, look at what 1 John 1, 9 says. He says, if you confess your sins, He, Jehovah Mekadesh, the God who sanctifies you, the God who is holy, the God who wants to give you a righteousness that is not of your own, He says, then I, He, will be faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins, and I love this, and purify you from all unrighteousness. Yeah. You know, think of that. do you ever go to a hotel room and you walk in and the hotel room looks really nice and then as you start to notice you start noticing there's something in the room that isn't very nice maybe it's a smell maybe it's like you drop something on the floor and there's something under the bed maybe you're like laying in the bed and looking at the ceiling and it's glittering and you realize it's not the tiles it's bugs crawling on it you know Or you get in the shower and you get in the shower. How many of you get in the shower and you spray the shower on you, open your mouth, and your water's going to your mouth, and you look at the faucet and it's got all black fuzz on it? You know? What did you just do? You just contaminated yourself. Thought you were in a place that was clean and pure, but you've been contaminated. But yet we, we, we are disgusted and revolted by that. You go to the front desk and you want your money back. You want a new room. You want a refund. You give them a bad Yelp review, right? You do all these things. But yet, when we have the same junk in our lives, we just ignore it. And here's something, folks, that when you ignore living a life below what God wants you to, everyone else knows it about you except yourself. You know, And that's why it's really important for us to, to really press in to know the Lord on an intimate level, to know his word, you know? The moment either of our pastors or any of our pastors on this staff stop preaching the word of God is the time you got to find another church. Because the word of God is what transforms us. The word of God is what renews us. The word of God is what challenges us to live a holy life. And God's word has never changed. It's not. It's not like a revised version. It's not like it's. It's. we Oh, that we we messed up two centuries ago. We're going to change it. The word of God is consistent. And this is what the word of God says in Hebrews chapter twelve. Therefore, since you are, uh, you have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding you, let us lay aside every encumberment and the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, the writer of Hebrews said. That there are certain sins that easily entangle us. Have you ever walked on a, a, a dock where they were fishing and they had all the ropes for fishing? You know? Well, see, the New Testament writers, many of them were fishermen. And they understand that if you got into entangled ropes and netting, sometimes it's not easy to get out because your foot goes in and it goes through a hole or the rope wraps around your leg and you go to pull it and it actually, instead of getting loose, gets tighter and it, it stumbles you up. That's what, it, that's what sin does. Sin likes to stumble you up so you're not walking the walk that God's called you to do. But he says this. He says, it's. but let us run. You see, you can't run when you're entangled. When you're entangled with something, have you ever had a shoelace that has been loose and you run and you step on it? What happens? You have a little scar on your chin like this because you fall down and smash your face on the ground. But when you're unencumbered by the sin, you're unencumbered by that, you could run with perseverance. You know why? Because God has called you to do that. And he says, this is how you do it. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, in the Old Testament, one of his names was Jehovah Makadesh. And his New New Testament name is Jesus. You see, that's why we want want you to study the names of God. Because you'll understand that God in the Old Testament is just a foreshadow of God in the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ. And it says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And as a result of that, when you're pressing into a relationship with Jesus, what you're doing is you're saying, you know what? I may be entangled by sin, but the closer I get to Jesus, the less entangled I'm going to be. You know? I don't know if it's just getting old, but you know, when, I, when I hit 50, my eyes started getting bad. When I hit 60, I realized how bad they were. And if I don't, I don't have these around, you know, Robin and I, sometimes she'll be around the campus with the kids, and she'll be looking for something, and she's like, "I'm here, Robin, here, take mine, and we go back and forth, and wow, that's good, what's that, 1.25, or no, that's a 1.57, or a 1.75, or a 1 2.5, you know, you get so used to it. But have you ever tried to untie a knot that you couldn't see? You know, maybe in your shoes, your shoelaces get untied. And they're getting knotted, rather, and you try to untie it, and you try to, you know. Sometimes you just want to pull out a pocket knife and just slice all the laces off, you know. But that's what you need to do when you're, you're in a situation that you're entangled by something. You need to have a different perspective, and the perspective has to come from the Lord. And you have to say, Lord, since I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, man, I want to press in. I want to know you in a way that I've never known you before, Lord. I want you to come into my life in such a way that I am challenged to live a holy life. I'm challenged to live a pure life. Because this is what I know. God's plan and purpose for you is never to live an unholy life. God's plan and purpose for you is never to live an impure life. God's plan and purpose for you is never to live under condemnation. You know, If you're living under condemnation, it's because there's something not right between you and the Lord. And the Lord came in John 3, 16, John three seventeen. I don't have the slide, but he didn't come to let us live in condemnation. He came to let us live in freedom with him. And the way we do that is we say, Lord, cleanse me. Worship team, come on up. I want to challenge you and ask you a question this morning. Are there areas in your life that you know you're not living for the Lord in the way he wants you? Are there areas in your life that you're sitting here on Sunday morning, February 23rd, not the 16th like the bulletin says. You're here on the 23rd and you're asking the Lord, Lord, I have this area in my life I need to surrender to you. The person you came with may not know you're struggling with it. The person sitting in front of you or behind you may not know you're struggling with it, but you know you're struggling with it. 1 John says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and purify you or cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the the assumption of this text is that when you're cleansed from unrighteousness, you're flooded with righteousness. You know, Scripture tells a story in the New Testament of where a person that had uh, cast an evil spirit out if they didn't fill themselves with something righteous, seven times more things would come. And one of the things about Scripture is he uses illustrations and stories to reveal the plan and purpose for God. And God's plan and purpose for you is not to live under shame or guilt or condemnation. The enemy would love to get you to live under that because then you're, you're, you, you, you listen to his voice and the battle the battle's already been won. You know, that's why trash talk in sports is so important. Because you can defeat someone before you get even on the, f- the field or the court by trash talking them before the game. And then they start believing it. Yep. And that's why it's so important as believers to immerse yourself in God's word, which is truth. And it says, And by his word, he healed them. And when we speak the word of God over our situation or circumstance, what we're doing is we're declaring what God's plan and purpose for us is. And so when we confess our sins, we know this. God, first of all, he, he will cleanse us and, and, and purify us from that sin. But not only that, he will change us from unrighteous to righteous people. So what's in your life this morning that if you were honest with the Lord... You would say, Lord, I need to surrender to you. What is it that you need God to come into your life to cleanse? What is it that you need to lay aside, as Hebrews 12 said? What sin that so easily entangles you is keeping you from becoming the man or woman that God has called you to be? Right now, I just want you to do this. I want you to confess that to the Lord. You're not confessing it to a human. You're not confessing it to a person. You're confessing it to Jehovah Makadesh, The God who sets you apart. The God who purifies you. The God who cleanses you. The God who washes away all of those things so that you can walk in freedom. The God who takes your condemnation and changes it into joy. The God who takes the shame and, and, and releases you from that shame. You see, because if you're going to run the race, you can't be entangled, folks. You can't have things in your life that you're hiding from God. No more secrets. No more things in the, in the back that no one knows about that you're trying to keep from the all-knowing God. God you got to just confess those sins. So I want to pray with you right now. Lord, we come to you this morning and confess our sins. God, we thank you that you loved us enough that even before we were born, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. So that we can live not in condemnation, but we can live in a relationship with you that's pleasing and acceptable, that we no longer have to live under the guilt and shame of of our sin, but, Lord, we can live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for us. And, Lord, I, I thank you that, Lord, we can confess our sins to you, that you, God, do not hold them over us. You do not bring them back to us. You do not throw them in our face. But, God, you forgive us of our sin and you cleanse us, Lord, and you purify us. Lord, you you use Holy Spirit bleach to sanitize us so that we can be men and women who are walking in righteousness. And Lord, I thank you that one of your names is Jehovah Makadesh, the God who sanctifies us, the God who purifies us, the God who sets us apart for a noble purpose. And God, right now, I ask and pray that, Lord that thing that we're confessing to you many some of us may have many many things we're confessing to you that god you are able to take those very things and transform us and make us into men and women that are completely set free from it lord we we ask that you would break any uh, entanglement around us that is keeping us from running the race set before us Help us, Lord, to to look to Jesus, who is our author and finisher and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we just acknowledge our need for you this morning. And Lord, now that we've confessed our sins, we know this, that they're forgiven. That Lord, they no longer have control over us. We no longer are going to put ourselves in a situation where we're going to be entangled by them. We're no longer going to put ourselves in a situation where we're going to fall into temptation. But God, we're going to put ourselves in a situation where we yield to you. And God, by doing so, we know that we will be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ's name. Why don't we stand? You know,
0: the holiness of God is your protection and the holiness of God in you is your power. You see, in Scripture, everything that was holy could not be touched by the enemy. Do you get that? Everything that's holy can't be touched by the enemy because the enemy taints. See, so the Lord says, I set it apart. The enemy, everything the enemy touches, he taints or perverts. So when we say, Lord, set me apart for your holiness, there is a protection. That's one thing about this song. I'm surrounded by him. His holiness. So in your marriage, you say, you know what? My marriage is holy. My marriage is holy. Then you know what? The enemy can't touch it because you said, you know what? My husband and I, we're holy unto the Lord. You, you know what? Some people say, you can't guarantee. You know what? You can guarantee your marriage if it's holy. Oh, Jesus. You can guarantee things in your life when you set them apart for holiness. are there areas in our life that we have not set apart for holiness that we have chosen to keep in a closet like pastor david said that we have said lord don't touch that because whatever god touches he makes holy are there areas our thought life our eye gate do we allow stuff to come in we have gates we have ear gates we have mouth gates we have eye gates are we allowing stuff in To pervert our own self because of our flesh, feeding our flesh. You know what? This is the day. This is the day. Say, you know what? I'm shutting those gates, Lord. Make me holy. Make me holy in that area. You know what? We partner with the Holy Spirit, the Lord's Jehovah Makadesh, the one who sanctifies us, but he doesn't do it without our permission. We can't feed on the world and then say, I'm going to be holy. We have to partner with saying, Lord, cleanse me, wash me, wash me, Lord, wash me. Listen, I know it's a process. I know it's a process, but you know what? If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today to say, okay, this is the area, this area right here, this area, attitude, it's not just about perverse stuff or immorality, it's attitude attitudes, bad attitudes, critical spirits, judgmental spirits, unloving, selfishness. Those things are unholy too. Lord, what is it that you're pinpointing in me today so that you are setting it apart to say, you know what? You're going to be holy in that area. He gives you the strength. It's not your holiness. It's his holiness in you. Lord, we lift up our lives to you. Lord, we surrender to you. And Lord, we respond to your Holy Spirit in this moment. Because you are at work in us. You're, you, there is a sanctification process. You're the one who makes us holy. You sanctify. There's a process to it. You bring revelation to us. And today you are bringing revelation. There's, if there's an area in our life that you're saying, this is an area that I'm working on in you. Lord, we bring it to you and we say, Lord, make me holy in that area. We surrender to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Father, because you are faithful with your power to do that. We don't do it in ourselves. We can't do it in ourselves. But you are faithful with your Holy Spirit power in us to make us holy. And we thank you in your name. Amen. Prayer teams, please be up here. If you would like to have some special prayer.